0: I can announce as well that we are immediately beginning to work on or continuing efforts already underway to implement 17 or just over
1: one-third of these recommendations.
0: That is the voice of Anita Anand. You heard in Karen's newscast that uh, this is a big story today. The recommendations handed down in the report by Louise Arbour, a former justice in the Supreme Court of Canada. quite the telling document, uh, certainly addressing some significant issues well known within the Canadian military. And we want to talk through what this report might bring when it comes to change in our military. Uh, The sexual misconduct crisis is what we've witnessed over years, decades, in fact. uh, The last 28 years have been referenced. I want to talk it through with with a very learned individual on the subject matter of the military, as well as the law. He is a retired colonel. You've likely heard him here on the station before. Michel Drapeau joins us, principal and senior lawyer at Michel Drapeau Law Office, the first established private law firm to practice in military law. Thank you so much for being with us, Colonel.
1: You're most welcome.
0: How did you assess, or how did you consume what was shared publicly today uh, in Louise Arbor's uh, report?
1: It was a major event. It was an encyclopedic report. It's over 500 pages, wow. and it covers the waterfront. If you talk about culture, uh, from that that exists uh, between married women in the forces, the senior leadership, how do you select general officers, uh, what kind of assessment, performance assessment are they being conducted on them, uh, the, uh, the, the, the grievance process, the complaints, compl- uh, and so on, so on, so on, so forth, and the military justice system, because all of these activities and, 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 and procedures are all interrelated. And what comes across is that the Defense Department, or more particularly the Kennedy's Armed Forces, have not moved with the time they are isolated, they have procedures in the justice system, among other things, that are unique to them and quite adverse to the victims and, and significantly different uh, from a procedural fairness perspective when it comes to being a victim of sexual harassment or sexual misconduct. So it's a major change required, and, and the change has to come at the very top. Uh, the ministry, in fact, uh, right off the bat said She accepts, in principle, all recommendations. 17 of them will be immediately worked on. The rest of them will be reported on to Parliament by the end of the year. Uh, So, And at the table was both the the Deputy Minister and the Chief of Defence Staff, and they didn't have very much to say. The Minister was uh, central and was obviously in command and obviously knew the intricacy of the report. So to me... It's a major event. If the Deschamps report, the former Justice Deschamps uh, basically united the debate, this one, in fact, will just carry it to the next level, to the level that we need uh, in order to make sure that our, our daughters and sisters and, and the like can can welcome an opportunity to serve in the armed forces and can serve there with safety, with dignity and knowing, in fact, they will be equal partner in the defense team. So all of this to say it was a majestic event on the part of Madame Arbour in a report that obviously consumed all of her time over the, over the past years. Well done, and I think we now have more than the blueprint. We have detailed, detailed recommendation, what needs to be done, how it should be done, and, and, uh, and basically how do we get to the next place.
0: We're with retired Colonel Michel Drapeau, a principal and senior law at Michel Drapeau Law Office. I think it's fascinating that you're the first established private law firm to practice in military law. And there was a piece of this. I, I watched it live, uh, the press briefing with uh, the the the, the, cr- the crew, the group that you just explained there in this monumental moment. And then I recorded it so I could watch it back and really absorb Some of the pieces of the puzzle. And one of the pieces that really hit home with me was when Louise Arbor uh, was speaking to her report and talking about how she felt that there was not necessarily a need for there to be outsourced oversight of the military. Because uh, and, and, there was a lot of, you know, concern over self-policing and, and, and how the inner workings, I mean, when we talk about the top two um, in, in the Canadian military really being um, c- corrupted by this scandal. Yeah. I mean, there's there's really no way to put it. I mean, there are amazing people in the Canadian military who work very hard and put themselves in harm's way. All of this goes without saying, but there are some bad actors in there who were protecting one another in a way that sparked what we saw today. I think that's a, a short and sweet summary of how many of us consume this. But when Louise Arbour said there needs to be an independent uh, body to make sure that what has been recommended and has been committed to by the minister of national defense actually happen right that's right
1: uh, i mean if there is a one degree of differences between mrs arbor looked at what needs to be done in mind it has to be concerning the establishment of an inspector general and right. she says i don't need one an inspector general just to look at at sexual misconduct and on that basis i agree with you an inspector general Goes above and beyond that. He looks at uh, at procurement issues, at uh, you know dishonest, uh, uh, you know whatever uh, back channel dealings if that
0: were yes uh, loopholes abuse of
1: powers and so on. So yeah. basically, she says, for the purpose of putting her report into place, she's looking at having she calls an independent auditor, uh, somebody who's going to be selected by the ministry. Could be a person, could be a group of people. Will be independent from the of Command outside the Defense Department and reporting on on a regular a regular interval. Mrs. Arbour almost suggested that like on a monthly basis the progress being made and the obstacle being uh, being you know, faced by by d because D&D has got the uh, the the you know the capacity uh, to delay anything. for instance, and Mrs. Arbour covers that in her report. Parliament passed a law in 2019 to eliminate summary trials. It was passed by Parliament, given the royal assent, and it is the law of the land. D&D has yet to put this law into effect. In fact, it won't okay. come into effect until sometime in June. Uh, I mean, it's uh, so d and can do that, and they've done this successfully a number of times. So she wants to have an auditor general reporting to the public as well as to the minister. And telling us what progress is being made and whether or not the set objectives are being met. So I have to agree with her. I, I I still think there is a need for an inspector general, but this argument will have to be for for another day. But she goes through and, for instance, she makes a, a she makes I think a powerful argument that the military colleges are no longer the type of center of excellence by which we can form the future generation of officers. And she has. She raised serious doubt. I raised serious doubt about their utility in the past, so has the Auditor General. So she referred this back to a, a group of individuals, some of them military, some of them functionary, some of them academic, that to look at what benefit, if any, there is to maintain two staff, uh, two uh, Royal Military Colleges at vast expense to produce, in fact, officers for the military that are anything but prepare uh, to play yeah. a leadership role in the forces. So it took a lot of guts because an awful lot of people who went before her did not have either the intellectual or the
0: moral courage to be yeah. able to call this fate a spade. She did. That was really something well said. Thank you for uh, laying it out that way because I truly felt that she had the, the fortitude, the personal character of I am going to tell it like it is right here. And, and certainly there are many people who are cringing at how viscerally honest Louise Arbour was with her words today. And even to the point, even to the degree, I'd like your your uh, your view on this, if I may, Colonel, as a retired colonel and, and knowing what you know about how the ranks work and how uh, rising through the ranks could prove incredibly difficult just for being a woman or a person of color or a person of, of uh, a different sexual connotation. Like the, the the roadblocks that have been been sort of perpetuated within our Canadian military, where we wished that that wasn't the case, but clearly the stories, the the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of stories told say that, that, Our system has been broken for a very long time in that regard
1: and and in the military more than any other places you don't have the type of attitude freedom that you would expect in a in a school setting or commercial setting or or even a police setting in the military from the from the get-go you get a haircut and you learn how to salute somebody and who to address and so on someone of the same age as you if that person happened to have one rank over you that person is yes, yes, sir, yes, ma'am, and he basically controls your life, and he has the power of a, of a very, very potent uh, justice system, military discipline and justice system at his at his hand to ensure the fact that his wins, not only his orders, are respected order on the spot. So when this happens, as you move through the ranks and you acquire services and so on and so forth, it, it's not unusual that... Um, Females or personal colours who are from the get-go may not enjoy an equality of power, an equality of influence, an equality of advantages, and so on and so forth. In, in, the, in a normal society, if they come to the military, there is a there is an organised rank structure, an organised uh, unit and chain of command, and so on and so forth. And even if you want to have your voice, or your complaint, or your grievance uh, heard, it's very difficult for you to do. Anything but to go to the chain of command, and the immediate, uh, the immediate level in that chain of command may well be your harasser or your aggressor or somebody in fact who don't want you uh, to express your discontent, express your complaint, and so on. So when you do this year after year after year after year, even if you if you come up in ranks, um, you're you're being conditioned from the get-go, and this is the culture that needs to be. If not changed, needs to be addressed and corrected, and in some ways purified.
0: Will the ouster of Jennifer, General Jonathan Vance and Admiral Art Macdonald uh, change that culture? Do you think holding those people of power to account will that shift what you just explained? In your opinion, I think your first,
1: uh, your first thing you need, you need in any system, any human system, when you when you provide somebody with the powers. Of discipline, the powers of promotion, the powers to influence your life and your economic livelihood, and all of rest of that uh, the acceptable contreparti the, the counterpart to that is you yeah. have to have respect and mutual respect and you have to have an understanding it's done within the rule of law and it's done within for a you know a le- a legal and justifiable purposes once you get all of that that people are obtaining. And and manifesting conduct based on influence and personal favors and so on and so forth, then you're losing control. And when this happened at the highest level, and this is what we have seen in the recent past uh, seven or eight months when they had a series of general officers of the highest rank possible exposed for their, their lack of, not their lack of civility, but their lack of morals, their lack of respect. Their their, their abuse of their privilege and so on. This is when the system breaks down. And unfortunately, it affects negatively a whole generation of excellent officers of of both male and female because they are tainted by the same abuse conducted by a senior officer.
0: Right, because it's hard to say, you know. I, I saw it happening, and I couldn't do anything about it, or I didn't see it happening yet it happened on my watch, which is that tainting of an entire generation that is a, that's an incredibly good point and and so sad for so many who as as we say, you know give give their lives for this service and and put themselves in harm way harm's way on behalf of of Canadians and and protecting our rights and freedoms yeah, I, I, uh, colonel and one of the yeah, go ahead yeah, one go of ahead. The key, one of the key characteristics of any leaders. Whether the fellow
1: skates on the ice or whether or not he's he's running, a, you know, a firm or an assembly line or in the military, it is respect. You need to have yeah. the respect of your subordinate. And and second, as important if not more important, courage. Courage should do what is required. Courage should do to prevent something that is wrong to your your subordinate. I mean, you're there, if not as a father figure, you're there, and you have in fact. You have supervisory power over that person, but you also have responsibility towards that person to make sure no arms come to that person. And that requires Mm -hmm. courage. And what we have seen in the recent past, over the recent years, is absolute lack of courage on the part of senior officers, some of their immediate subordinates, in not doing what was required for them to do to ensure there was no, no sexual abuse, no sexual misconduct. Instead, there was proper reporting and proper investigation of it. So it was a failure to leadership, failure to courage, and a failure on their part as an officer class. And that could take months and years to correct and to rebalance the kind the, the of respect that we expect of anybody serving in the military.
0: Hopefully it is a monumental shift. As you said, the Louise Arbour report, the former justice in the Supreme Court of Canada, sharing publicly this 500-page report on how to fix what has very clearly been broken in the Canadian military. uh, Colonel, thank you so much for your time tonight. I really appreciate you.
1: You're welcome. Thank you. Bye-bye.
0: That is Colonel Michel Drapeau. He's a principal and senior lawyer at Michel Drapeau Law Office. That is the first established private law firm to practice In military law. So coming from a very learned perspective. Lots to chew on tonight on Point. I'm Jody Vance.